0: www.newyorkcity.gov. That's www.thenumberone.newyorkcity.gov. On Saturday, the Lower East Side Ecology Center is holding a Water Day 2021 coastal cleanup from 10 a.m. to noon. The Lower East Side Ecology Center has been pioneering community-based models in urban sustainability since 1987. This cleanup will help get litter and floatable waste out of the East River, the New York Harbor, and the Atlantic Ocean. For more information, go to lesecologycenter.org. That's LESecologyCenter.org. Also on Saturday at 5 p.m., there will be three marches taking place in Queens, Brooklyn, and the Bronx. These are borough-wide marches in solidarity with all communities impacted by racist immigration policies. Over 500,000 people have been deported since Biden took office. This march is meant to demand full protections for all undocumented immigrants and the immediate right to citizenship. These marches will take place in Windmuller Park in Queens, Grand Army Plaza in Brooklyn, and Joyce Kilmer Park in the Bronx. For more information on these marches, go to Asians the number four abolition on Instagram. That's Asians for Abolition on Instagram. Saturday is also the Go Africa Carnival. From 10 a.m. to 6 p.m., the community will be celebrating African, African African-American, and Caribbean cultures from all parts of the world. There will be food, live performances, and more at this outdoor celebration. General admission is free, but you must register online before attending. The address for this event is in Hortons.
1: Good evening, A ticker tape parade for essential workers, an assassination in Haiti, and another mayoral hopeful concedes. With these and other stories, I'm Paul Durienzo with the WBAI News for Wednesday, July 7th, 2021. Emergency workers who have spent 14 days pulling apart the rubble of a collapsed condo building near Miami said today they were switching from rescue to recovery mode, signaling the effort to find survivors was all but over. The news followed increasingly somber reports from emergency officials who indicated they'd been preparing families for the worst outcome. Meanwhile, the death toll as of Wednesday was 46, with 94 people unaccounted for. Authorities are launching a grand jury investigation into the collapse, and at least six lawsuits have been filed by Champlain Towers families. In New York City, the mood was less somber, though, today and more celebratory as the city honored its essential workers with a traditional ticker tape parade of the Canyon of Heroes in Lower Manhattan. Angela Palumbo reports.
0: City's Hometown Heroes Ticker Tape Parade. This parade honored the everyday people who risked their lives for the city during the pandemic. It kicked off at 11 a.m. in Battery Park and traveled up Broadway along the Canyon of Heroes, winding up at City Hall Park. The Grand Marshal was New York City nurse Sandra Lindsay, the first person in the country to get a COVID-19 shot. New York State Attorney General Letitia James says it's a great day.
2: I see the light at the end of the tunnel. Um, it's important that uh, we say thank you to all of the health care workers who basically uh, thought about others before they thought about themselves. And I just wanted to come by and march with them just to say thank you. Thank you to the members of 1199, to the nurses, to Transport Workers Union, to the police, to fire department, to all of those, again, who sacrificed so much for our city.
0: 14 floats went through the streets, making this one of the largest ticker tape parades in the city's history. These floats honor the essential workers in different sectors, including the hospitals, education, first responders, and more.
2: It's a wonderful day to rejoice, opening up our great city, getting back to normal, and saying thank you to the people who helped us. Congress
0: member Carolyn Maloney remembers the time at 7 o'clock in the evening when New Yorkers would cheer out their windows in support of essential workers. That was a time when New York was dealing with massive loss and hardship. Now, with COVID numbers reaching record lows and vaccinated people reaching new highs, the city has paused to celebrate and thank everyone who helped us get through such a difficult time. Angela Palumbo, WBAI, New York.
1: Thanks, Angela. And in more national news, former President Trump filed suit against Facebook, Google, and Twitter today, accusing them of censoring his speech on their platforms at an event at his golf club in Bedminster, New Jersey.
3: Today, in conjunction with the America First Policy Institute, I'm filing as the lead class representative, a major class action lawsuit against the big tech giants, including Facebook, Google and Twitter, as well as their CEOs, Mark Zuckerberg, Sundar Pichai, and Jack Dorsey. Three real nice guys. We're asking the U.S. District Court for the Southern District of Florida to order an immediate fault to social media companies illegal shameful censorship of the american people and that's exactly what they are doing we're demanding an end to the shadow banning a stop to the silencing and a stop to the blacklisting banishing and canceling that you know so well our case Will prove this censorship is unlawful, it's unconstitutional, and it's completely un American. Are-
1: Trump has been suspended from the platform since January. When his followers violently stormed the Capitol building, trying to block Congress from certifying Joe Biden's presidential win, the company cited concerns that Trump would incite further violence and have kept him locked out. All three declined comment today. Social media platforms are allowed to moderate their services by removing posts that, for instance, are obscene or violate the service's own standards, so long as they're acting in good faith. The law also generally exempts Internet companies from liability for material that users post. And a squad of gunmen assassinated Haitian President Jovenal Moise and wounded his wife today in an overnight raid on their home, inflicting more chaos on the Caribbean country that was already enduring gang violence, soaring inflation and protests of his increasingly authoritarian rule interim president minister claude joseph who confirmed the killing said the police and military were in control of security in haiti joseph called for an international investigation into the assassination he said that elections scheduled for later this year should be held kim ives is a journalist and an editor at the weekly newspaper haiti liberté he agrees the assault was apparently the result of foreign attackers
4: the gangs and the killing of uh, jovenel appear not to be connected it was a uh, apparently foreigners, uh, very well-funded. They had nine new Nissan Patrol pickup trucks. Uh, They knew the layout of the president's house. They had inside information clearly. So this was a well-funded operation, probably backed by some country or a very large mafia of some sort. I think uh, right now the opposition has been pressing to make a transitional government. The head of the UN office there, Helen Lalim, who is a longtime career State Department officer, has been somewhat sympathetic to and on the fence from what my sources tell me. So I think now that uh, Jovenel is gone uh, and there's no clear successor, he just announced a new prime minister on Monday, Dr. Ariel Henry. So I imagine now, the US which holds a predominant weight in Haiti will uh, try to bring about some kind of transitional government the streets though are going to be very hot there are armed neighborhood organizations uh, formed in a organization called the revolutionary forces of the G9 family and allies which have called for a revolution against the system in Haiti. And by that, they mean the entire system, including all the power that the bourgeoisie of Haiti wields. And they want to see a change in the life of the uh, Haitian people who uh, live, uh, for the most part, in dire poverty and uh, misery.
1: That's Kim Ives. He's the uh, editor at the weekly newspaper Haiti Liberté. But activist Ahud André of the organization Komokoro says Jovenel Moïse was a dictator and the assassins are still unknown, but he believes it may be related to the gangs that operated in Moïse's political circle.
5: Well, we heard that there was an attack on Jovenel Moïse's house in Palais V, that's the neighborhood in the upper... Uh, areas of uh, Port-au-Prince, outside Port-au-Prince, and a commando entered his property, disarmed his security, and inside the house he was assassinated, a lot of gunshots we understand, his wife was also shot there are statements from the illegal government uh, that he presided over, is saying that uh, the wife is in hospital, but the rumor mill in Haiti is saying that uh, she died afterwards, but we don't know yet.
1: Do we know who the people were who did this?
5: We we have no clue right now, as of now, what there is, is uh, the statement from Claude Joseph, who was the illegal, de facto, former prime minister for the last couple of months who yesterday, I mean Monday, I'm sorry, he he was fired basically by Jovenel Moïse and there's a new person that Jovenel Moïse named as prime minister, Ariel Henry, but who's not even formed the government yet. Some people are laughing at the fact that it is Claude Joseph and not Ariella are speaking on behalf of the government of Haiti. But in the statement from Claude Joseph, he's saying that some of the people were foreigners speaking Spanish. But this is from the government. But this is a government of crooks, of liars. We're following as well as everyone else. The U.S., OAS, the U.N., They gave him a a referendum, a new constitution project, and when they realized that it was not going well, they tried to pull away from it. Past governments of Haiti were allowing the country to be used as a
1: stopping point for Colombian narcotics traffickers.
5: We don't know. The Colombian story is coming from, you know, the Spanish-speaking story. He's someone who's been involved in money laundering, who's been involved in shady economic crimes. But some people are saying also that it might be oligarchs like uh, Boulos who financed his campaign to come into power in 2015 and 2016. So, Como we will be protesting tomorrow, Saturday, in front of a Bentley's nightclub, 1370 uh, Ralph Avenue in Brooklyn,
1: Activist Saoud-Andre of the organization Komokoro. Chris Bernadel is a member of the Haiti Committee of the Black Alliance for Peace. Both of his parents are Haitian immigrants. He says the Haitian people have to decide their own future.
6: The Haitian people have been calling for what's called sali public, a public transition, a transition in the interest of the public good, a transition that's carried out by the masses of people and their representatives, carried out by the actual Haitian civil society. What's been going on in the country up until this point, civil society, groups from religious groups aligned with the Catholic church, Protestant groups, radical groups, progressive groups, women's groups, groups that represent uh, peasant workers, groups that represent factory workers, student groups, all of them have come out in opposition to the Moise regime, in opposition to the attempt to rewrite the constitution and uh, in opposition to The situation where the country is being held hostage and pretty much run in the interests of imperialist powers of the United States, the U.N. and the OAS. Who should run this country? There should be a process of transition according to what the Haitian people call for. The Haitian people are very politically active down to the poorest of the poor. Many of them are involved in political life. There are organizations that work amongst all these groups, and they have their representatives in the country, as well as other parts of the civil society that have been represented in the past. The situation up to this point has been... A usurpation. It's been almost a dictatorship. Jovenel Moise was acting as a dictator in the country. So what needs to happen is there needs to be an accountable process of transition that the people of the country can trust, and with organizations that the people can trust. And I have been working with the people as opposed to a neo-colonial puppet regime, pretty much that just does whatever the U.S., the U.N., and the O.A.S. calls for, while embezzling funds that could have gone to really help and support the Haitian people.
1: Could they bring back Aristide?
6: This is not up for us to kind of right. say, you know, who should be the president and who shouldn't. Absolutely. Uh, Fami Lavalas is still a very large, well organized party on the ground. There are a number of other political organizations on the ground. And these organizations, in this moment of crisis, they are meeting up right now. There are groups meeting up right now. Political activists, people on the ground are trying their best to meet up and organize. One of the big roadblocks, though, to further organization and further involvement by the people has been this situation of insecurity in the country, has been the kidnapping situation, the gang violence situation that has plagued the country for a while. Chris
1: Bernadel is a member of the Haiti Committee of the Black Alliance for Peace. Meanwhile... The normally bustling streets of the capital, Port-au-Prince, were empty today. Sporadic gunshots were heard in the distance. Public transportation was scarce, and some people searched for businesses that were open for food and water. Moise's wife Martine was in stable but critical condition and was being moved to Miami for treatment. Haiti has asked the U.S. government for assistance with the investigation. Haiti's ambassador to the United States says the assassins could have escaped over the land border to the Dominican Republic or by sea. Moise has faced large protests in recent months that turned violent as opposition leaders and their supporters rejected his plans to hold a constitutional referendum with proposals that could strengthen the presidency. In recent months opposition leaders demanded he step down arguing that his term legally ended in February 2021 he maintained his term began when he took office in early 2017 following a chaotic election that forced the appointment of a provisional president to serve during a year-long gap in May US Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas announced an 18-month extension of temporary legal status for Haitians living in the US citing serious security concerns and social unrest and we'll be dealing with this story a lot more tomorrow and later this week. An interesting note, uh, Moise's assassination was the first assassination of a Haitian president in over 100 years. And you're listening to the news on WBAI New York. I'm Paul Durienzo. In more Washington news, this month, the Supreme Court, uh, pardon me, last month, the Supreme Court invalidated a section of the Voting Rights Bill that protected certain activities like ballot harvesting and other means of getting out the vote. Former National Lawyers Guild head and law professor Marjorie Cohen says the decision is an assault on democracy.
2: Well, in 2013, the Supreme Court gutted Section 5 of the Voting Rights Act, which um required that states that want to change their voting laws have to get if they had a history of discrimination they had to get pre-clearance from the department of justice well they deep sixed that and roberts wrote the decision and said don't worry we still have section two of the voting rights act well they have just eviscerated section two and uh made it much easier to uphold voter suppression laws in the future and so this is a very very alarming decision and it was six to three the six right-wingers upholding voter suppression the three liberals opposing it
1: How might that play out, let's say, coming up, there's a major Senate election in the fall in Georgia? Georgia
2: has that law that, among other things, uh, criminalizes giving food and water to people waiting in line. I don't know that that would be upheld because one of the things they did in uh, in this decision was to say that they're going to look back to 1982 when the Voting Rights Act Section 2 was amended uh, and, and uh, you know, kind of used that as a guidepost. And at that time, in-person voting was really the prevailing type of voting. There was very, very little mail-in ballots. So the Supreme Court might be uh, more hesitant to uphold voter suppression laws that burden in-person voting, um, you know, things like voter ID laws, uh, extending registration time, early voting, et cetera, whereas they would be more likely to strike down restrictions on mail balloting. But they also said that there, when there's a voter restriction that's at issue, um, they're going to look at whether there are, are alternative ways to vote. And if there are, they might uphold these voting restrictions.
1: COVID is sort of coming to an end and people could just get the voters to the polls the old-fashioned way.
2: Well, that's the hope. But a lot of people can't get to the polls. Uh, They don't have cars. One of the uh, two provisions at issue in this case was ballot harvesting, um, where people collect ballots from people and take them to the polls. And that particularly impacts Native Americans in Arizona, who many of them don't have cars. Many of them live miles from post offices or mailboxes. Um, So that, uh, yes, COVID is coming to an end and may make in-person voting more attractive but a lot of people rely on mail ballots because they have problems getting to the polls anyway so I'm not hopeful um about what's going to happen now i think that we need to look at this federal legislation that's pending the for the people act and the john lewis voting rights advancement act which would help a lot but of course congress is pretty much frozen thanks to the republicans and the blue dog democrats so i don't know there's another possibility too of course and that is expanding the number of justices on the supreme court from nine to say 13 there's legislation pending now to do that which would dilute the uh, overwhelming imbalance caused by these six right wingers on the court now again i don't think that's likely to pass what's next it's going to take more on the ground organizing to get people to the polls and to opposed these voter registration laws, which are pending. At least 880 proposed changes in 49 states uh, have been introduced. 28 major bills have been enacted in 14 states. And uh, Kagan actually, Kagan wrote the dissent. Alito wrote the majority for the right-wingers. Kagan wrote the dissent. And uh, she identified some possibilities, shorten the time polls are open, Um, new prerequisites of voting by mail, shortening the windows to apply for mail ballots, make it harder to register to vote, purging voters from the rolls. All of those things are pending now, and uh, so they're going to have to be fought at the local level um, because the federal courts are not going to be very helpful after this decision.
1: And that's Marjorie Cohen, former National Lawyers Guild head and a law professor in California. Meanwhile... Democratic Representatives Ruben Gliego of Arizona and Mondaire Jones of New York introduced a bill restoring a provision of the Voting Rights Act after the Supreme Court upheld two voting restrictions in Arizona this week. The bill, dubbed the Inclusive Elections Act of 2021, aims to restore Section 2 of the Voting Rights Act, which bars states from adopting election laws that disproportionately impact minorities. And that was, of course, last month, not last week. And back in New York City, where the temperature is now 90 degrees, the National Weather Service says a severe thunderstorm watch is in effect until 11 p.m., so be careful out there. And in election news, candidates for mayor of New York City have been falling like dominoes as the politicians concede that Brooklyn Borough President Eric Adams has been elected mayor. Former City Sanitation Commissioner Catherine Garcia formally conceded today. She said, for 400 years, no woman has held the top seat at City Hall. The campaign has come closer, meaning hers, than any other moment in history to breaking that glass ceiling and selecting New York City's first female mayor. Later in the day, Maya Wiley conceded at a news conference held near the Lucerne Hotel on the Upper West Side.
7: And I stand here today, one. To congratulate Eric Adams on his victory in this mayoral race, and let's be clear, this is only the second time a Black New Yorker has been elected mayor of this city, and that has tremendous meaning for so many New Yorkers, particularly Black people.
1: The Lucerne was one of the hotels the city used to house homeless persons during the height of the COVID pandemic to get them out of congregate shelters. Some local residents then sued to force the homeless people from the Lucerne. Eventually, a judge ruled in the favor of the uh, local residents and the uh, homeless people were moved out. Some went to transitional housing. Wiley, who ran substantially to the left of the other candidates, appeared at Lucerne, she said, to bring attention to the problems of inequity in the city that her campaign had addressed.
7: It does change because Steve Levin helped push through legislation that increased the amount of vouchers because homeless people, only 3% that had a voucher could find a home. That's what we're talking about. That law now has to be implemented, has to be implemented now. Part of the demand for July homeless rights is to implement that legislation now and not wait, and then invest in the enforcement because it's illegal in this city to actually discriminate because someone has a voucher. And that's what we're talking about. It has, look, I'm black in America. There's simply nothing we've achieved, including seeing Barack Obama become president, that happened overnight or in a year or in a campaign cycle. It took generations. This fight has been going on and it is not over. It's empowered. It's not done. People who are homeless are standing up with solutions. It is why we're here at the Lucerne. It is also the proof point that the movement includes residents who are not homeless. It includes people who have a home, sometimes a luxury home. Those are people who also donated to this yeah. campaign, yeah. who came to these events and who will be protesting at Gracie. Inside, outside is always a constant process. It doesn't have a beginning point or an end point. It's a continuation of building. And there's so much to build on. And that's really our message today, so much to build on.
1: Maya Wiley, the city is required to provide permanent housing uh, vouchers are the way the city pays the rent, but in many cases, landlords have not accepted those vouchers. And Borough President Eric Adams ran on a return to aggressive policing in the city while he says she'll keep Adams on notice against any return to stop and frisk.
7: I, as a New York City resident, as a civil rights attorney, as a black woman and a mother, I'm going to say that this movement was very clear about the fact that we would not tolerate going backwards. We will not go back to a racist, unconstitutional, and ineffective way of simply humiliating black and brown New Yorkers, and that we'll continue to pursue a path that says public safety. be grown and invested in, in the city in the ways that we know work and we just have to have the courage to look at the proof points and the facts about what works and what doesn't.
1: And that is Maya Wiley. And finally, Governor Andrew Cuomo signed a bill into law today that will allow restaurants to continue using municipal spaces like sidewalks and streets for outdoor dining. Businesses were given permission by executive order to use the space last spring when COVID-19 capacity restrictions limited their room indoors. The new law allows restaurants to continue using these public spaces for another year as they recover from the economic devastation brought by the pandemic. Restaurant usage of outdoor public space will speed all federal, state, and local Laws, rules and guidance, the governor said, they must also have a temporary use permit from the municipality. New applicants will need to provide community notification in a manner consistent with state alcoholic beverage control law. And that's some of the news for Wednesday, July 7th, 2021. The news is produced with Linda Perry. Our engineer is Reggie Johnson from New York City. I'm Paul DiRienzo. Thanks for listening.